Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. The next several Sundays, we're going to go on a journey with Jesus to the cross. We're going to walk with him. We're going to walk with Jesus through the final week before his crucifixion. And the final week before Jesus was crucified, there were many significant things that happened that week. And so we're going to be taking every Sunday something and looking at that and also being open to what, whatever, what else God would have for us. And then this series will conclude on Good Friday as we stop and we watch and we listen to Jesus on the cross. It's going to be a great time for you. Let me encourage you, Good Friday. You don't want to miss that. It's a communion service. It's one hour long. We're going to come and we're going to be with Jesus as we hear him on the cross. And before we get to the, to the passage today, we need to understand this whole ministry of Jesus has led up to this point. This is why he came. This is why Jesus came to, this is why God sent him. This is, this is, this is it. And Jesus had predicted his death. Jesus had, the, the King James says, he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem. In other words, he, he understood the hour and the days are close of his death and his resurrection. But today we're going to look at his triumphal entry and I, I will move quickly through this. And it's, I wanted to find the lessons of the triumphal entry. And, and maybe, maybe you're unaware of this, but we're going to begin reading. Jesus is outside of Jerusalem. He has made his way and the scripture reads, going up to Jerusalem as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there and no one has, that no one has ever ridden. So this is something special. This is something unique, significant. And then Jesus says, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying this colt? Tell them the Lord needs it. Everybody say, the Lord needs it. Those who are sent ahead went and found it just as he had told. And as, as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus through their clothes cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as they went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. And so I want us to, to learn some lessons from Jesus' journey to the cross. And I, really, this first one is a, is a lesson from, from, from the very beginning of this passage. And that's simply this, that Jesus invites the unlikely to be used for his glory. Jesus sent the disciples to fetch a colt, to fetch a donkey. So it says, as they were untying it, they replied, the Lord needs it. So this is a young donkey. I want you to think about this for a moment. And I have to catch myself because I want to say donkey like Shrek does. So I got to keep like coming back to, it's going to slip out at some point. So, so I, I don't know 
If you've ever been around animals, I don't know if you've ever been around farm animals, I don't know if you've ever been around horses or mules or, or, or donkeys, but um, sometimes they can be stubborn. We, we, had a, we had a mule, I've told the story before, we, we had a mule um, growing up that uh, my dad got on it one day and the mule decided to scrape my dad off by using the side of the barn and just, and just scraped him off. There was a low metal, uh, metal roof, scraped him off, flipped backwards, broke his collarbone, and the mule took off. I get home, I, I get home, I get a phone call. My mom's at the hospital, my dad, um, the mule is loose, he's running wild, nobody knows where he's at. So can you go find the mule? Like, I don't know where this stupid mule is. So I start, we start looking around. I start, I was all by myself, drove around, saw him. I thought I'll just go up and get him. The stupid thing wouldn't let me get close to him. So he, one time, I remember I walked up to him. It's, this is a mule, like we feed him. And at this point, he decided I'm gonna be stupid and stubborn. Now this is a mule that was broken and had been ridden. Well, I walk, this mule takes off. I mean, just runs across the field and I'm like, stupid mule. I go drive around, try to, try to get close to him. I was blowing kisses to him. You know, I was doing everything, making weird noises in the middle of the woods with a donkey. It's dumb, right? Sorry, with the mule. <clears throat> I can't catch the thing. I'm, I, I'm, my legs are tired. I had, a, I had a basketball game that night. I said, forget it. Like, the heck with you, mule. I left. I was like, I, I pray you find a good group of friends called coyotes out here. Like, deal with it. Get on, the next day, someone goes, oh, let's say, anyway, that's funny. But I meant it. I get home the next day, and our neighbor, Lawrence McClellan, that's a good neighbor's name, right? Walks up to the house with a mule. Just walking along, rubbing its ears. I go, how did you get the mule? He goes, I just walked up to it and... and took it by the reins and just walked it over here. I'm like, you stupid mule, you stupid mule. But the reason why I say all that, the mules can be stubborn. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus gets a donkey that's never been ridden before. And he gets on a donkey and there's leaves and palm trees flying all over the place. People are shouting, throwing their coats in front of it. And Jesus rides it into Jerusalem. I, this may be one of Jesus' greatest miracles right there. <laughs> but I don't know if you've ever thought about this donkey that Jesus likes to use unlikely people and unlikely things for his glory and his purposes. The fact that Jesus rode on an unbroken donkey was amazing. But why that donkey? Why? Why would he choose the donkey? Why would he choose a colt that's been, been unridden? Jesus chose this, this colt, this donkey intentionally. He could have chosen a beautiful horse. He could have chosen, I mean, he could have walked into Jerusalem with a horse snorting air out its, out its nose and blowing and chomping. No, he chooses a donkey. Listen, have you ever seen a donkey? They're ugly. <laughs> you don't look at them and be like, listen, no one has looked at a donkey and been like, that's so beautiful. <laughs> and then have you ever heard a donkey like, 
Bay, have you ever, have you ever? If next time you hear, let me tell you, it sounds like someone's dying. So there's nothing great about a donkey. But Jesus chose a donkey to ride into Jerusalem on the culmination of his ministry. And it's, it's strange. I mean, I, I, it, I would have chosen a horse. A horse back then was like the, the Ferrari. Like it was like, this is what, this is what royalty should, should, should ride. The donkey was like a 20-year-old Subaru. Like that's what that was. Or a Honda hatchback or whatever that would be. Jesus chose an unlikely vessel. But this donkey was special. 500 years earlier in the Old Testament, there was a prophecy about Jesus, about the Messiah. And God spoke to a prophet, Zechariah, and listen to what Zechariah says, 500 years before this, this happened. Shout, daughters of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you. Righteous, having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey. So this donkey was created for the Messiah. This ugly, unbroken, unexperienced donkey was created to be under Jesus as, he, as Jesus began his journey to the cross in Jerusalem. Like when I think of this donkey, I, I can resonate with this animal. And maybe you can as well. I can resonate with, with why would God want to use a donkey? Why would God want to use me? Why would God want to use you? What's so special about this donkey? What's so special about you? Many times you may feel like a spiritual donkey. You don't feel like a spiritual racehorse. You don't feel like, like, man, I got it all together. Man, God, you'd be lucky to use me. We don't ever, we don't feel that way. And if you do, God won't use you anyway. But many of us can connect and relate that who am I, God, that you would want to use? Who am I that you would want to, to, to move through? Who am I that you would want to, to speak your word or to share who you are? Who am I? And most of us think this, surely God does not have need of me, surely. Yes, he has need for me in maybe this area, but no, no, no. Surely he doesn't want me to carry his glory. Surely he doesn't want to use me for something that, that, is, that is precious and near to his heart. But here's the truth and, and, and the lesson that we can learn from the triumphal entry as Jesus approaches the cross. First Corinthians says this, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong so that none could boast before him. So there's, God delights in using unlikely people for his purposes. The fact is, is God doesn't, doesn't call the qualified, because that's what we think. He actually qualifies those that he calls. And so we, as we walk with God, we need to understand we don't look to the flesh 
to determine what God can do with us for his purpose and his kingdom. We don't look to, to what we see ourselves is unexperienced, donkey, broken, messed up. Actually, what we need to do and what God's called us to do, instead of telling God what he can do with us based off of our evaluation, we in our lives need to determine what does God say about us. And if God says, I want to use you, then that means that God sees something in you you don't see in yourself. It's this understanding that in order for God to do something great in our world and in our nation and your family in this community, we have to step out of the way on how we see ourselves and we need to start aligning our lives with what God wants to do through us regardless of what we think about us. That Jesus delights in using unlikely things and people and animals. He delights in it. So the, truth, the larger the gap you have in your life between what God wants to do through you and what you are capable of doing in your own strength is, the, is a greater opportunity to bring Jesus Christ more glory through your life. Most of us say, nope, you, God, you can't do that because I don't see that. Or God, you don't want to do that because I don't see that. So if, you're, if you want to walk in the flesh, the reality is you will be concerned about what people think. And one of the reasons why we, many times we don't step into what God has for us is because what are people going to think? What if I fail? What if I, I, I don't follow through and, and it looks like I'm an idiot? And what, that's, that's what happens. But God loves to do things with people that people go, can you believe God did that with them? We read it in the scripture. He loves doing that so that no one can boast before him because he gets all the glory and we get to have all the fun. God's not looking for, for perfection. He's not looking for the, for the racehorse. He's looking for the willing vessel. He's looking for those who said, God, use me. I'll do whatever you want. Every day of my life, I'll do whatever you want. I'll be the vessel that you want to ride on and do something and speak through or, or, or use me. I'll, I'll be that. Because the Lord delights in using unlikely people and things. This is what Paul said. I want to read to you what Paul said. He was being scrutinized by other Christians about his validity of a church leader as an apostle. I mean, this is Paul. And so, sidestep, many of us make a judgment on ourselves. This is the judgment I've made. This is what God can and cannot do with me. And we make a judgment. But Paul says this. He says, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, now look, I don't even judge myself. I don't even tell myself what God can and cannot do with me. I don't even make a determination of, well, God, I don't know if you could do that. He says, I don't, I don't do that. It's the Lord who judges me. In other words, what God says about me is, is what I'm going to believe and how I'm going to apply my faith in my life. 
So God created this donkey for a special purpose in life. So what the disciples said to the donkey owner, he said, the Lord needs him is the same thing being said to you today. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. And just like this donkey was created with a purpose, spoken of 500 years ago, God has a purpose for your life. And so many times we can be convinced that it's, it's, it's all, listen, it's always, uh, I don't know if that's really what God wants for me. And, and we hide our spiritual mind and heart in the sand and we just determine what God can and cannot do. And therefore, what you believe is what you become. And the full purpose of what God can do in and through your life is found in the in the reality of your life that is submitted to him, when you give your life to him, when you surrender your reputation, when you surrender your concern about the opinion of others, when you surrender your dreams, here's a big one, when you surrender your comfort, your house, your status, what you're known for, the desire to be seen and known, when you surrender the control of your, of your life, your finances, the control of your children, and you surrender all of that to him. This is when you discover God's amazing, ridiculous, awesome plan for your life. God is looking for the humble to use and the willing heart to use. That's a good amen spot right there. The Bible said God chooses the lowly and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. This other lesson we learn with the triumphal entry is that Jesus distinguishes wanters from worshipers. The Bible says that the whole crowd began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. So during, this is during Passover, when this is happening, Jews had a Passover parade and they, there was this festive environment, and, and it was a lot of joy, a lot of fun. Thousands of pilgrims are lining the road down from Mount of Olives to Jerusalem. And they wave palm branches, and they lay them on the ground. It was like, a, it was like rolling out a, a red carpet. That's really what was going on. And the reputation of Jesus had spread, and he was a good teacher, and he taught with authority, and he did miracles. And they sang his praises and he rode the donkey down the pathway. And they welcomed him. But Jesus, I'm, I'm not for sure if he was totally overjoyed at this parade. Because he knew. He had set his face to Jerusalem. He knew he was going to go to the cross. He knew after the parade that he would be betrayed. He realized that the same watchers or the same wanters who cried, hail him, worship him, on Sunday would be shouting, crucify him. Later that same week, later that same week, these people are going to yell, crucify the same ones yelling, Hosanna, 
will be the same ones in a few days mocking him, spitting on him, cursing him. And so earlier, Jesus made this observation about the wonters in Jerusalem or the watchers. Jesus said, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the Jews were looking, as we know, for a military Messiah to deliver them from the, from the iron fist of Rome. Jesus, and here's, Jesus comes around a corner. He's not on a stallion. He's on a donkey. Disappointing for the people. But he was on a donkey to show that he wasn't a rebel. He was a redeemer. He was showing he didn't come to conquer. He came to be a suffering servant. He wasn't a physical warrior. He was a spiritual liberator. He wasn't a radical revolutionary that kills others for his cause. But he was a loving redeemer that laid down his life so that others may live. This was his journey. This is his purpose. And I believe the crowd turned a few days later after he wasn't what they wanted. He didn't lead a rebellion against Rome. He didn't crush the back of the Roman oppression. And they said, forget you. You're not what I want. And Jesus... The lesson we learn from his triumphal entry is when Jesus arrives, when Jesus is, is doing his thing, things begin to separate and he, he distinguishes the difference between those who want something and those who worship him in spirit and truth. In many ways, friends, we still do the same thing today. As we're following God or worshiping God when things don't work out the way we want them and we are blinded by our own immediate wants and we stop short of the greater thing that God is doing, the greater thing that God wants because, here's why, here's why, because it doesn't fit in our box. It doesn't fit in how we have determined what God should do because God didn't respond to us according to our short-sighted vision of our life and his purpose in our life. We struggle with believing at times that God's actually trustworthy because what we thought should happen didn't happen. And wonters are all about what God can do for them. And when things don't go their way, they're like a light switch. Just like the people here, Hosanna in the highest, look who is here to save us. And all of a sudden, immediately, like a light switch, now they're putting him on trial. For a worshiper, when circumstances change, when popular opinion changes, when it's no longer cool to be a follower of Jesus, when it's no longer all right to speak up for truth, when it's no longer tolerated 
to believe in the biblical understanding of all the things that are basic things of our, of our society. When things don't go our way, when we lose a job because of our faith, there's a deep sense in my heart and your heart and worshiper's heart, Jesus, you are my king and you will be faithful. There's a sense no matter what changes that didn't, we don't understand. No matter what, we go, this is my God. No matter what happens, I believe that he will work all things together for good because I love him. And when the rest of the wonters are freaking out, worshipers are steadfast in their worship and their love for Jesus. And this is what Jesus has came to do. And I think it's, I believe really what God wants for us today is just this understanding that Jesus delights in using unlikely characters to carry his glory and his purpose on the earth. But first and foremost, we have to make a decision in our hearts. Are we there for our wants? Are we there to worship him? And this is the very basic understanding as we walk our journey to the cross, as we surrender our hearts to God. Over the next several weeks, my heart for us is one, our faith would, would, would lift and we'd, we would recognize, God, you can do anything because you did everything for me. God, you can, whatever you want to do in my life, I want you to do it. But with that comes a submission, with that comes a surrender, with that comes receiving his healing. And I believe, my heart is this, that as we find ourselves on Resurrection Sunday, that many of us are going to receive a real touch from God. We're going to receive a real um, direction of our lives, whether it's with our vision, with what he's doing in us and through us. But the truth is this, friends, God delights in using people that think, I don't know if you can use me, but I trust that if you see it, then I'm, I'm going to believe what you see. But this other reality of this Easter season is this, that God is truly looking for worshipers. God is truly looking for those who are in it, not for what they get, but because of who Jesus is. And I believe this is the season that God has us in. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what God is doing in you or th in through you, but this is what I believe. I believe that we, that God is inviting us into a fresh new season in your personal life, for us as a church, for us as, as a ministry as a whole, that we are gonna be committed to believe that God can do whatever he wants through us and in us, and that God is going to purify our hearts and he's going to, he, this church and who we are is going to be a bunch of worshipers who come hell or high water. We're going to be faithful and we're going to worship God with everything that we got. So just in closing today, and if Elijah, if you can come out on the keys, if you could just bow your heads just for a moment. Lord, today we, I know that there are people here who feel defeated 
I know there are people here, God, who really have written themselves off of whether you could use them or not. But Lord, right now, I just ask you that you would, they would hear your voice today. That you, Lord, have need of them. That you, Lord, desire to move in them and through them. That God, regardless of their age, that they still have a purpose, that they have a calling, and that God, what you have for them is greater than they ever thought was possible. Lord, today I ask you that you would lift our faith to begin to believe for things that maybe we would struggle to believe with, that we would begin today to believe that God, you want to, you're looking for a willing vessel. You're looking for individuals who just remind ourselves, God, I have kind of stepped out of the game. I actually haven't even been engaging my heart and, and I don't look for the places of every day for you to use me. But Lord, today, I wanna revel in your grace and your kindness. And I acknowledge today, God, I believe. I, w I believe that you can do whatever you want. And God, with that response, I submit myself to you. I surrender my life to you. That Lord, we won't judge what you can and cannot do through what we see in the flesh, but we will, we will judge it by what you see and what you say. Lord, I pray also today for those who, really God, all of us have areas of wanters or watchers or maybe we go through a difficult time and we're thrown into a, a time of confusion and our faith is waning. Lord, today we want to make a commitment that we would realign our lives as worshipers, just not watchers, just not wanters, but we would worship you. Lord, that we would engage and re-engage in this season as we remember your journey to the cross, as we remember what you did for us as we remember what you purchased for us. And Lord, we know that we are purchased by your blood. And so God, we just wanna make a commitment this season. We want you to get what you paid for. We want you to have a worshiper that is willing to do whatever you ask. And Lord, I just, I just pray today that you would do something fresh and new in our midst. You would release your spirit fresh and new. You would stir it up, God, what's already there. You'd stir it up. You'd increase our hunger. You'd increase our desire. And that God, we commit this season to you. Lord, we thank you and we love you for who you are. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say that you are not a follower of Jesus and you want Jesus to move in your life and you want him to cleanse you and forgive you and to give you a purpose and you hear the voice of God saying the Lord needs you and wants you. If you wanna give your life to Jesus today, nobody's looking around, just raise your hand right where you are receive. Thank you. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you. You can put your hands down. God bless you. 
I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and we're all going to pray it together. But it's just the prayer of affirming what you believe. And so let's all pray it together, church. And if you raise your hand, or maybe you didn't, and you're really acknowledging you know you're a sinner, you need to give your life to Jesus, then pray this with us and make it your prayer. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, I want to worship you. From this moment forward, I want you to do what you want with me. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my past. And from this moment forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.